0: You're listening to a classic business podcast, as heard on Classic 1027.
1: 1027. Mobile operators L.C. reported an interim net loss after tax of 7.6 billion rand today, uh, but said this was mainly the result of once-off costs and adjustments, <coughs> and that stripping these out normalized earnings actually grew by 64% to 1.8 billion rand. The net loss after tax figure includes impairments to the value of 5 billion rand, and uh, if you look at the net loss after tax in the prior period in 2019, that was at $875 million. Uh, At the same time, it is uh, shedding customers strategically, it says. In the first half of 2020, it lost 28% of its combined subscriber base and 35% of its prepaid users and it's also currently in an informal debt standstill with uh, current terms on hold while debt is restructured as part of a recapitalization. a very complex process that is ongoing and I believe a term sheet uh, phase at the moment. I've got CEO Douglas Craigie Stevenson on the line. Douglas, welcome. You said that despite all of this you're still happy with the progress that you're making in this turnaround and believe you're on track. How can more swinging losses and declining customers and uh, debt defaults uh, equal being on track?
0: A very, very good question, Michael. I okay, guess so I think the most important thing to understand is that um, let's just look at, at things like the defaults and some of the standard and poor stuff that's gone out. One must remember that when we went into a debt standstill, uh, informal one, we sat with a situation where de facto we would default because we weren't going to to pay them pay pay them back at that particular time. The initial recap that was done was was one where we didn't address the debt issue properly. The debt stack was way too high for what was able to be serviced. That's the first part of it. So that would deal with, with, with sort of the debt in the balance sheet. But to say that we're on track, I think you need to have a look at it slightly different. If you have a look at what we did with regards to the MTN roaming agreement and what we wanted to do to move away from a capital expenditure model, what we effectively said was that we can never compete with the incumbent operators that need uh, to be spending five, seven billion a year in capex. So there would be no point in trying to gear something up mm. with even more debt for an asset that's not going to give you a return. So we had to right-five this business, and that was the four pillars of the, of the strategy. So if I go and have a look at the seven and a half billion, those are non-cash flow movements. So what we've effectively had to do between this period and the last period, we've written off uh, close to nine billion of network assets uh, as required by EFRIS to, to impair them in order to start the migration into the MPN Phase Two agreement. So those will be the first part of that. If you then go and take the interest cost and the um, uh, forex losses, that make up makes up another further sort of one bit billion. That would then um, effectively bring you back to a normalized EBIT number because the recap will deal with that after the recap has been finalized. So if you go and look at the core trading position underneath that and we say, almost on a pro forma basis, what would the business look like? That's the result that you're then getting. Stabilization of margins and increase in in the growth rates The EBITDA coming back to normal and the fact that at an EBIT level we've actually had an 80% growth. So that is what I'm looking
1: at. And on the operational performance of the business, uh, despite the fact that uh, you have right-sized your customer base, as you call it, you say you're targeting a, a better quality mix. Of customer it's not just about uh, counting sim cards uh, and that uh, i mean one can understand that uh, you can have a million sim cards and, and only uh, five or ten percent of those delivering a decent rpu number if you look at your rpu your average revenue per user 66 Rand, uh, and now exactly equal to um, the last number that was reported by Telcom for its prepaid mm. mobile business, uh, still well below the 80 Rand for MTN, but not much above the 64 reported by Vodacom. Uh, to talk to me about the strategy of, of right-sizing customers, because some cynics out there might be saying that uh, it's because you've raised prices and cut promotions, which makes you slightly uh, less competitive. Okay,
0: so to answer that, you... The first thing that we had to do was we had to get rid of a little bit of the legacy that was again in the system. A couple of years back, there was very much a view in the market that the more customers you get, the more money you're going to make, and that is simply not true. So the promotions were very rich. The market was very competitive, especially with telecom in the market as well. And so we had to find that balance between you know where, where the right price point is. We actually, if you go and have a look at the pricing, still at a price discount to the, to the major networks slightly and more or less on a a, a par with Telcom. So I don't think we're uncompetitive with that or with that. What's also in the customer base that needs to come out is a lot of the customers that were on there that were in in the wholesale business. So I previously had deals where the view was we had a sunk cost in the network, therefore put a customer on at any cost. There was also the story that we were exiting the broadband market, which in fact was not true. What it was was poorly designed product offerings that weren't talking to making any kind of a yield whatsoever or attractive. You will see that we've gone into the market recently with a all-in-one bundle offering, which is much more suitable and, and, and evenly, um, pitched towards both the benefit of the customer and to, and towards the benefit of the network. And that's what we're trying to do. What's also important to understand is that I believe we've hit the bottom at the end of May with U-Labels reported numbers. We were at around 11 and a half million subscribers. We came in now at 11.8, and I can comfortably tell you we've surpassed the 12 million mark and are continuing on an upward trend with both revenue and customer growth towards the uh, third quarter result of September. So I believe that we're well positioned to start looking at where we can go with with offering the right product mixes to the right customers and getting out of the sim washing machine where it's also incredibly expensive to go and take resources to go and acquire a customer as well that you're not going to be able to use, where you could give that to the customer in another form.
1: And uh, it was very well articulated in the presentation, the SIM card washing machine, uh, that analogy for the relentless chasing of subscribers for no value. The other core area that you've decided to pursue strategically on the operational side is obviously, as you've articulated, not spending on the the, the kind of capex that the incumbents like Vodacom and MTN do on developing your network, uh, but rather doing these roaming deals and agreements. Uh, How does that then feed into uh, network quality? I mean, how much control would you then have over delivering that kind of service?
0: So what's important to understand is um, in the the presentation I did this afternoon, I I put up a, a slide to show the difference between an MNO and an MVNO or a super MVNO, which is what we are not. So we still control quality of service over the network, we still control our number ranges, we can still control our spectrum use, and every single other part It's only the physical equipment of the radio access network that we no longer use. And it's important for us to be able to get a better quality offering because one of the things when your CAPEX staff as a network is you've got to support equipment on multiple bearers, two, three, four G, and then going into five, which we'd never be able to compete in. The other thing is that in a roaming previously, it was a case of Rome while you built your own network, which is not something that's, that's sustainable at the, at the end of the day. So the model going forward is going to say, from, from my perspective, is that you're going to have two wholesale infrastructure providers, namely Vodacom and UTN and potentially the WOAN now that they get in Spectrum. And we must be a taker of that wholesale capacity. And the better we take wholesale capacity, the bigger bulk we can aggregate, the better we can negotiate for everybody.
1: And that's how we see it. You also had a very interesting slide uh, with your thoughts on uh, the uh, the Spectrum auction, which uh, obviously everyone's talking about at the moment. You said you're no, an interested party under the right conditions. What are those conditions? Well, the first thing is obviously there can't be a, 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 a barrier because
0: of a massive capital expenditure bill. So you can't just have a deep pocket because that's really just going to make Vodacom and MTN the only two players. Uh, Telcom has gone and suspended dividend payments because they say they need to save up the Spectrum. And I'm saying to, 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 to the government, to ECASA, to ComCom, listen, give me different um, uh, conditions for for it. Give me a plan to pay it back. Let me pay it on, use it. But I, as an owner of Spectrum, the current Spectrum I have, and to be able to get hold of more Spectrum allows me to pursue my model in a better way. It's almost like you've got two parts of it. If you looked at the Woan, the Woan will have Spectrum, but without powers because they need to build. So we've got a similar type of a model. So what he's saying is that you can yeah. have a very nice collaborative model between spectrum and, and, and actual physical infrastructure assets, especially as we go into the 5G space as well. So I think it's a natural place to be at, and it, mm. it, it's not going to be competitive to make such a high barrier to entry to only certain parties to be able to get hold of spectrum. But I will have to have that conversation as Duncan put it out today uh, with, with some parties but I certainly believe we shouldn't be blocked from
1: being able to access it. Mm. And turning now to the balance sheet issue, it's obviously the elephant in the room as well. Yeah, principal short term debt now at about 9.7 billion total liabilities standing at just over 23 billion. Your assets were 7.7 billion. So one can see the situation there. What's your plan to repair the balance sheet? You did say that uh, negotiations are multi-party ongoing blue label um, and uh, and Brett Levy saying that he's confident that uh, it will be concluded soon what timelines have you committed to lenders in order to deliver on all of these plans
0: so look in terms of, of of the timelines we're hoping it's going to still take place in this year it has been dragging on for a while the recap you know so it's difficult for me as the operational management to comment on the shareholder issues but we have got term sheets out there now for it and i think there is an understanding of the urgency to get this over the recap obviously will deal with the deck in, in 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 a way that leaves us with a sustainable deck stack that can be serviced by the business plan that we've put together to support that. But it is very clear that we need to be um, at a debt level that can allow us to have a small amount of capital expenditure, which would, would be in platforms and the like, and then obviously to be able to service the debt over time.
1: Service the debt and obviously repay shareholders uh, as well. Uh, uh, of, uh, of course. now <laughs> <laughs> CEO Douglas Craigie-Stevenson, thanks so much for your time.